0: Welcome, everyone, to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey, everybody. It's your girl, Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone. And your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and everyone else all over the world. And no matter the color of our skin or where on this earth we live, no matter our religious body, spiritual sex of choice, or the doctrines in which we believe, there is only one Spirit of the living God that is the pulsation of life for all humanity. It is the Spirit of God in the all, and it is the Spirit of God in the individual. And whatever name, may give that spirit, whatever rituals, spiritual or religious traditions performed by some of us in an effort to connect with it, a most sacred and productive thing that we all can do for our individual elevation is to simply draw nearer to Thee and have a tete a tete with our own mighty I Am Presence, often, no fun. No deception only truth why because it is that spirit of the living god within us that knows everything about us our thoughts our feelings and our desires and that spirit of the living god will communicate back to us that which we need to know revelation where we learn to stay focused And listen. Amen. Give thanks and praises. For love and life. And y'all be loved.
1: One of the most interesting legends concerning the cross is that preserved in Aurea Legenda, by Jacobus de Vorgan. The story is to the effect that Adam, feeling the end of his life was near, entreated his son Seth to make a pilgrimage to the Garden of Eden and secure from the angel on guard at the entrance the oil of mercy which God had promised mankind. Seth did not know the way, but his father told him it was in an eastward direction, and the path would be easy to follow, for when Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of the Lord, upon the path which their feet had trod, the grass had never grown. Seth, following the directions of his father, discovered the garden of Eden without difficulty. The angel who guarded the gate permitted him to enter, and in the midst of the garden Seth beheld a great tree, the branches of which reached up to heaven. The tree was in the form of a cross and stood on the brink of a precipice, which led downward into the depths of hell. Among the roots of the tree, he saw the body of his brother Cain, held prisoner by the entwining limbs, The angel refused to give Seth the oil of mercy but presented him instead with three seeds from the tree of life, some say the tree of knowledge. With these Seth returned to his father, who was so overjoyed that he did not desire to live longer. Three days later he died, and the three seeds were buried in his mouth, as the angel had instructed. The seeds became a sapling with three trunks in one, which absorbed into itself the blood of Adam, so that the life of Adam was in the tree. Noah dug up this tree by the roots and took it with him into the ark. After the water subsided, he buried the skull of Adam under Mount Calvary, and planted the tree on the summit of Mount Lebanon. Moses beheld a visionary being in the midst of this tree, the burning bush, and from it cut the magical rod with which he was able to bring water out of a stone. But because he failed to call upon the Lord the second time he struck the rock, he was not permitted to carry the sacred staff into the promised land, so he planted it in the hills of Moab. After much searching, King David discovered the tree, and his son, Solomon, tried to use it for a pillar in his temple, but his carpenters could not cut it so that it would fit, it was always either too long or too short. At last, disgusted, they cast it aside and used it for a bridge to connect Jerusalem with the surrounding hills. When the Queen of Sheba came to visit King Solomon, she was expected to walk across this bridge. Instead, when she beheld the tree, she refused to put her foot upon it, but, after kneeling and praying, removed her sandals and forded the stream. This so impressed King Solomon that he ordered the log to be overlaid with golden places and placed above the door of his temple. There it remained until his covetous grandson stole the gold and buried the tree, so that the crime would not be discovered. From the ground where the tree was buried there immediately bubbled forth a spring of water, which became known as Bethesda. To it the sick from all Syria came to be healed. The angel of the pool became the guardian of the tree, and it remained undisturbed for many years. Eventually the log floated to the surface and was used as a bridge again, this time between Calvary and Jerusalem, and over it Jesus passed to be crucified. There was no wood on Calvary, so the tree was cut into two parts to serve as the cross upon which the Son of Man was crucified. The cross was set up at the very spot where the skull of Adam had been buried. Later, when the cross was discovered by the Empress Helena, The wood was found to be of four different varieties contained in one tree, representing the elements, and thereafter the cross continued to heal all the sick who were permitted to touch it. The prevalent idea that the reverence for the cross is limited to the Christian world is disproved by even the most superficial investigation of its place in religious symbolism. The early Christians used every means possible to conceal the pagan origin of their symbols, doctrines and rituals. They either destroyed the sacred books of other peoples among whom they settled, or made them inaccessible to students of comparative philosophy, apparently believing that in this way they could stamp out all record of the pre-Christian origin of their doctrines. In some cases, the writings of various ancient authors were tampered with, passages of a compromising nature being removed, or foreign material interpolated. The supposedly spurious passage in Josephus concerning Jesus is an example adduced to illustrate this proclivity. The Secret Teachings of All Ages, by Manley P. Hall, 1928.
0: Isis Unveiled, Volume 2, Chapter 2.
1: For the purpose of comparison, we have not even availed ourselves of the ritual of ceremonial magic of the Christian capitalists of the Middle Ages, wherein the language modeled upon a belief in the divinity of Christ is, with the exception of a stray expression here and there, identical with the Catholic ritual. The latter, however, makes one improvement, for the originality of which the Church should be allowed all credit. Certainly, nothing so fantastical could be found in a ritual of magic. Give place, apostrophizing the demon, it says, give place to Jesus Christ, thou filthy, stinking, and ferocious beast, dost thou rebel? Listen and tremble, Satan, enemy of the faith, enemy of the human race, introducer of death, root of all evil, promoter of vice, soul of envy, origin of avarice, cause of discord, prince of homicide, whom God curses, author of incest and sacrilege, inventor of all obscenity, Professor of the Most Detestable Actions, and Grand Master of Heretics, Dr. Harry Decorum. What, dost thou still stand? Dost dare to resist, and thou knowest that Christ, our Lord, is coming? Give place to Jesus Christ, give place to the Holy Ghost, which, by his blessed Apostle Peter, has flung thee down before the public, in the person of Simon the Magician, Te Manifest Stravit in Simone Mago. After such a shower of abuse, no devil having the slightest feeling of self-respect could remain in such company, unless, indeed, he should chance to be an Italian liberal or King Victor Emmanuel himself both of whom, thanks to Pius IX, have become anathema-proof. H. P. Blavatsky It really seems too bad to strip Rome of all her symbols at once, but justice must be done to the despoiled hierophants. Long before the sign of the cross was adopted as a Christian symbol, it was employed as a secret sign of recognition among neophytes and adepts. Says Levi. The sign of the cross adopted by the Christians does not belong exclusively to them. It is cabalistic and represents the opposition and quaternary equilibrium of the elements. We see by the occult verse of the Pater, to which we have called attention in another work, that there were originally two ways of making it, or, at least, two very different formulas to express its meaning, one reserved for priests and initiates, the other given to neophytes and the profane. Thus, for example, the initiate carrying his hand to his forehead, said, to thee, then he added, belong, and continued, while carrying his hand to the breast, the kingdom, then to the left shoulder, justice, to the right shoulder, and mercy. Then he joined the two hands, adding, throughout the generating cycles. T.B. St. Malkit, at Gevara at chasper Jonas – a sign of the cross, absolutely and magnificently cabalistic, which the profanations of Gnosticism made the militant and official Church completely lose. How fantastical, therefore, is the assertion of Father Ventura, that, while Augustine was a Manichean, a philosopher, ignorant of and refusing to humble himself before the sublimity of the grand Christian revelation, he knew nothing, understood not of God, man, or universe, He remained poor, small, obscure, sterile, and wrote nothing, did nothing really grand or useful. But, hardly had he become a Christian when his reasoning powers and intellect, enlightened at the luminary of faith, elevated him to the most sublime heights of philosophy and theology. And his other proposition that Augustine's genius as a consequence, developed itself in all its grandeur and prodigious fecundity, His intellect radiated with that immense splendor which, reflecting itself in his immortal writings, has never ceased for one moment during 14 centuries to illuminate the church and the world. Whatever Augustine was as a Manichaean, we leave Father Ventura to discover, but that his ascension to Christianity established an everlasting enmity between theology and science is beyond doubt. While forced to confess that the Gentiles had possibly something divine and true in their doctrines, he, nevertheless, declared that for their superstition, idolatry, and pride, they had to be detested, and, unless they improved, to be punished by divine judgment. This furnishes the clue to the subsequent policy of the Christian Church, even to our day. If the Gentiles did not choose to come into the Church, all that was divine in their philosophy should go for naught, and the divine wrath of God should be visited upon their heads. What effect this produced is succinctly stated by Draper, no one did more than this father to bring science and religion into antagonism, it was mainly he who diverted the Bible from its true office, a guide to purity of life, and placed it in the perilous position of being the arbiter of human knowledge, an audacious tyranny over the mind of man. The example once set, there was no one of followers. The works of the Greek philosophers were stigmatized as profane, the transcendently glorious achievement the Museum of Alexandria was hidden from sight by a cloud of ignorance, mysticism, and unintelligible jargon, out of which there too often flashed the destroying lightnings of ecclesiastical vengeance. H. P. Blavatsky
0: The I Am Discourses, Volume 15.
1: I want you to feel tonight that there is the unfolding, blazing sacred fire protection of our love that will always guard you, if you'll call it into action and guard anything constructive that you want to do. This is part of our service to life. It is our way of protecting what is constructive so it can become eternal. Therefore, in the opportunities that lie ahead of you to help design the incoming Golden Age, you will be very privileged, and I am sure very happy, to draw forth from the ascended Master's Octave, the things that we know this world is going to need in order to give mankind the opportunity to understand and use the master powers of life, and produce what is to be a blessing here for eternity. And in the right use of all activities of the sacred fire, the cosmic light substance and the energy of this universe, by the right consciousness, you automatically raise yourselves into the greater perfection that one day is your ascension. The same thing must take place for the earth. There must come the purity into the physical structure of earth and into the powers of nature and forces of the elements that forever manifest the beauty and the perfection and the joy and the love of the sacred fire, to raise the earth and all upon it into our octave of perfection. Wherein in the ever expanding glory and happiness of every bit of love of the sacred fire goes on and gives itself to the universe around you to forever expand your happiness. People in the world seek happiness, and it's here today and gone tomorrow, or gone the next second, because they know not where it is. They know not how to create it. They do not know what ascended master happiness is. So, if you come to the time when you want happiness, remember, if it is to be sustained, if it is to be eternal, It must begin with some activity of the sacred fire love from the ascended master's octave now your beloved i am presence would be the builder through you but your beloved i am presence in its release through you of its own life is guarded by the seven mighty elohim of creation guarded by the sevenfold flame in your forehead guarded by the love from the ascended master's octave that is your protecting presence until you can create that which is constructive and fulfills the great divine plan beloved angel deva of the jade temple I could go on indefinitely in the explanation of this, but I give you just enough tonight to show you how you can, in anything you want to do, so long as it be constructive, if you will, start with your call to your beloved I Am Presence to tell you the Ascended Master's fiery Christ truth of what you need to know to produce the perfection you desire. And then you call to the seven-mighty Elohim and the angelic host, and those who govern the creation of perfection and manifestation, to come and hold the sacred fire love of eternal protection around that which you wish to do until it is completed, and your victory is attained. And your joy will know no bounds, and everything you do will be successful. Everything you do to help others will be successful, because there is nothing to interfere then with the perfection that the mighty I Am Presence is lowering into your outer use. And there's nothing but perfection can come to you from the ascended masters and cosmic beings or the use of the sacred fire and the cosmic light it is this consciousness mankind needs what think you with the magnificent blessings there are in the world that a mankind a whole group of human beings can use the energy and consciousness of life to destroy and desecrate and hurt some other part of life how could that be the divine plan it isn't never was and never will be so blessed ones This is our way of living the eternal, divine perfection of life. It is the eternal divine plan fulfilled, and it forever gives its blessing to everything in the universe. And no thing can come back to the individual but more blessings. This is the only way mankind will ever be free from destructive forces and destructive conditions and destructive consciousness that has engulfed mankind and would destroy everything, except for the love and the sacred fire that is drawn into outer manifestation by the ascended host and the angelic host. And I can assure you, if you continue with your calls to the Angel Legions of the Victorious Christ, or the Angel Legions of the Violet Flame, or any activity of the Sacred Fire you call, if you continue your calls to them, you will find them giving you every possible assistance. And the more they surround you, the less human beings and human creation can come near you to interfere with that which you wish to accomplish. Beloved Angel Deva of the Jade Temple